0: It's really good to to see all of this, and and that shouldn't. It's not a surprise, you know. It's something we do every year, the the, the Magi boxes and harvest Sunday, and, and those things are are excellent. But it always fills my heart to be reminded of of how generous and overflowing you all are. And it's not that I don't know that. I, 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 there has never been a time, a challenge, an occasion, a, a project that we've put before you that you haven't not only rose to the occasion, but exceeded the occasion. So from my heart to yours, thank you. The blessing uh, is not just to Carpenter Place and it's not just to the folks at Pleasant Valley Elementary. The blessing... Uh, is something that we shared in, as was talked about earlier. The, the blessing, uh, as Jesus said, is more to give than to receive. There was one thing that, that caught my eye this morning, and I just thought I'd use it as a little bit of a visual. This giant bag of sugar. Now, I, I'm sure in the course of the year... Uh, the good folks at Carpenter Place will get good use out of it. Uh, but the reason that I was drawn to it is because I was so, when I saw the the, the teens loading it, and I went up there, and I just picked that up for a second. Uh, it says right there on the bag, 25 pounds. 25 pounds is not a lot, really. Um... But if I were to ask you, how heavy is it? You would rightly reply, well, well, it says right there in the bag, dummy, 25 pounds. But if I were to ask you how, if I were to put it in your hands, how heavy is it? Tyler, come here for a second. Young man got guns like his father. Go ahead and hold it there, son. (laughs) <laughs> Starting to sweat, aren't you? <laughs> you see, see the question is not how heavy does it say it is. You're cheating. You're holding it on you. Hold it out a little bit. Put some there you go. Put some muscle into it. Oh, now he's showing off. Okay. Like his mother. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. So see the, the question is not how heavy it is but how long have you been carrying it? You see, we can do a cute little intro to a a message for like 30 seconds, and Tyler's going to be okay. But if I I ask him to hold that for the whole sermon, I I don't think that would work. That would get kind of painful. If I said, Tyler, I need you to stay up here for the whole message, but then I need you to just stay up here throughout the whole day, because some people forgot their Harvest Sunday, and they need you to remind them After several hours, it would become very, very painful to hold this bag, which technically only weighs 25 pounds. If we ask him to hold it for for several days, he would go into paralysis. His muscles would log up. He would hurt himself. It's the same weight. The only difference is how long he held it. You never know exactly what somebody's holding on to. I imagine some of you are holding on to some things as you came in today that you and I might think, gosh, that's relatively light. That happened so long ago. But see, it's not the, it's not how heavy it is. It's how long you've been holding it that makes all the difference. Ty, would you like to set that down? All right, good to, to say it back there and, and thank you. You see... In this series about fear and anxiety and worry, we're not just talking about how heavy is the burden you're carrying, we're we're wanting you to think, how long have you been holding on to it? How long have you been carrying it, the worry, the fear, anxiety? How long have you been holding on to it and, and just keeping it with you? And you can hold on to it for a little while and, and it's really no problem. And, and you can hold on to it for, for a, f- a few hours in your spiritual walk and, and it gets a little painful. But, but some people hold on to things for their whole walk and they become paralyzed spiritually speaking because they they refuse to take Jesus seriously. That's what we're going to talk about today as we continue in this series. Anxiety, you see, is holding on to that which God never intended you to pick up. Anxiety comes from continuing to hold what God has asked you to let go of. If you are following along, I want you to turn to our key text for this whole series. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter chapter 4, page 1,258 in the Pew Bible. By the way, if you don't have a Pew Bible and you're a guest, especially if you're a guest, please take that Pew Bible and use it. But Consider that our gift to you. We want you to know God's Word, we want you to read God's Word, we want you to live by God's Word, and you'll even find, if you don't know anything about studying the Bible, you'll find in the back of that pew Bible some studies that you can use to familiarize yourself with what God's Word says. It's very helpful, very useful. Please take it as our gift. Page 1,258 or Philippians chapter 4, this has been the key text for this series (laughs) We're just working on verses 6 and 7, but I'm going to read starting verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. The command worth repeating. Verse 5. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. How timely. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So our key text is verses 6 and 7, and the first idea that we see is what Paul says in the New King James. Now, in the ESV, it reads a little bit different, so if you're reading the ESV, the Pew Bible, it reads slightly different. But for the New King James translation, and I believe the New American Standard translation, we're going to use that uh, translation this morning on the text. He says first this, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing is a command. It is not a suggestion. There is a reason that's in there. So let me ask you rhetorical question how are you doing with that have any have any anxiety have any things that you, well I know god but it's just a little thing it's just a little it's just a little thing god it's just a I just really I just need to hold I just need to hold on to this it's just a little thing god be anxious for nothing it's a it's a command it's not a suggestion you see when we talk about anxiety we're talking about a couple of things first we're talking about at root a control issue a control issue how many of you be willing to confess by show of hands have control issues Go ahead, everybody, raise your hand, raise your hand. I want to see all those hands up right now. Now, there are some of us who who really struggle with this more than others. But anxiety comes from a place where we are trying to control that which is beyond our concern. Let me say that again. Anxiety comes from trying to control that which is beyond our concern. Concern. Uh, let me use an example, family illustration. What would you do? What would you say for you parents with, with children who are still in the home? What would you do if your son or daughter became obsessed with getting the electric bill paid? Things would change, wouldn't they? <laughs> what would you do if your child became obsessed With whether the mortgage had been had been paid for, Dad, you get that check written, Dad. We we need a place to live, Dad. You better make sure to write that mortgage. You get every morning. I mean, just obsessively. What if every single day they came home to the refrigerator, opened it, and said, "Are we running out of food?" Maybe this maybe this is the way it is at your house. I don't know. But, but in an obsessive way they said so we we got to have more food you got to get at the store every day you got to have some you got to what what if what if every single day they they just pop in and they they'd knock on the door of your home and of your of your room and they would say i know i know it's not till april but do you know how much the taxes will be this year now we can kind of chuckle at some of those things but listen to me if If our children did those things every single day and were very seriously concerned about those things, we would be sending them to a doctor. Hear me because that is not normal. Children should not obsess over the concerns of the parents that 's the job of parents to 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 manage to keep some worry out of their children 's lives to provide for them to the point that your children shouldn 't even really honestly think too much about whether the lights, bills are paid, whether the food in the fridge, whether the taxes are paid, all of that stuff. They they shouldn't worry about that at all. But if they did, and if they did it every day, we would become greatly concerned for our children. Do, Do you understand what I'm saying to you? There are some of us who are obsessed with things that God did not intend us to control. Anxiety, really, then, is not fully trusting our Heavenly Father to take care of things. You, you, you need some more illumination. So let's turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, we are in the middle of the best sermon ever preached, Matthew chapter 6 is page 1,040 in the Pew Bible, if you don't know where Matthew chapter 6 is, Jesus, in speaking all of these things that disciples would need to know, he said this, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, except for if you have enough money in your retirement, where your kids will go to school, if they will find the right spouse, if... Oh, wait, that's the message, sorry. (laughs) Let's get an actual translation here. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They, they do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you, are you, are you not of much more value than they? Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? One translation said, can add a cubit to his stature, which I love that. Do you wish you were a little bit taller? Sure. Can you do anything about that? No. Verse 28, and why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon In all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Lots to dissect in here. We're not going to go through it all, but... Let me challenge you with what Jesus challenges you to be like the birds. Now <laughs> to start, I need to buy, to tell you if you don't know this truth, birds are stupid. Now Jesus is not saying be stupid, that's not what he's saying, but we have we, we in our neighborhood we, we, we our house backs up to a little bit neighborhood pond, and so that attracts the birds. And the birds like to come in and fly around in the trees and go through, and they'll perch on our fence. And sometimes the birds get brazen enough. Well, they'll, they will come to our back deck. And the last couple of years, we got some really brilliant ones that have that just they see another bird, they see another bird right there in our home, and they just smack right into it. They they fly right straight into the window, seeing their own reflection. And every time they do that, they The birds are stupid. Don't they see? Now here's the point. Birds are stupid. Yes, that's true. But birds do not worry. Now now, now God doesn't throw worms into their nest, okay? They still have to get out and and scourge. But God always provides. I've never seen an anxious sparrow I mean, they're they're a little bit shaken once they fly into my window for a few seconds, but, but they're never anxious. They're never worried about their 401k. And, and they're never worried. I, I tried to explain, you know, all of the pandemic that we're in, and, and, and they should be more concerned, and they just flew on. Birds are stupid, but they're not anxious. So, so be like the birds. Because of you are of, of much greater value than the birds. Jesus, Jesus wants us to be anxious for nothing. Jesus said, don't worry about the clothes you wear, the food you eat, what you're going to drink. You know, in all honesty, that's never been a, a real hard worry of mine. I got a small half room in my house full of clothes, many of which I don't wear. I've got a pantry full of food that I never eat all of. I, I've got water at, at the temperature that I desire, at the flick of a handle. I've never worried about those things. You'd think I'd be much less worried than the people Jesus was talking to. No, I've got to dream up things to worry about. We've got to be like the birds. we got to trust Him. That he's taking care of, of them and he's taking care of us. See, the, the, the answer to anxiety, the, the key to the sermon is this. The answer to anxiety is to trust Jesus. Now, I've got to be careful when I say trust Jesus because in the religious world, that term has been so overused that it means nothing. You just trust Jesus, just invite him into your heart, live like you want to live and trust Jesus. Well, that's not what trusting Jesus is. Trusting Jesus is looking at Matthew chapter 6 and reading it, do not worry, and then and then doing that. That's trusting Jesus. It's taking Jesus at his word. It's trusting in his word and doing what he says. Trusting Jesus is really a quite a simple thing, but it's not easy. Let me say that again. Trusting Jesus is really quite a simple thing, but it's not easy, is it? You see, trusting him does not always mean that life will get better, nor will the storm always be calm. Turn eight chapters ahead to Matthew chapter 14. We're now long past the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is going to live out the sermon with his disciples. Page 1052, the story is... uh, not by divine text, but there's, there's a, a, a label at the beginning of the heading that says, Jesus walks on the water. But that, that's in this message, that's not really what we're going to focus on. We're in, we start at verse 27, where Jesus is walking on the water, and then we see the disciples' reaction to him. Now, keep in mind, this is in the middle of the storm. It's at night. They're, they're being beaten by the wind and the waves, Matthew writes. And verse 26, when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. Now, here's Jesus walking in the water, but they were terrified, not because of Jesus, but because of the the environment. And they said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. And I think he said it that calmly. In the middle of the, in the middle of, that's the best storm impression I can do, okay? Verse 28, and Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come out to you on the water. Now, I thought, I think in my mind, Peter could reason out if he's being rocked in this boat, being slapped around, and he's thinking, man, it's probably better out where Jesus is, so, yeah, me call out to you. And verse 29, he said, Come. And I think he said it just like that. I think he smiled. So Peter got out of the boat. Peter got out of the boat. Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. That's a powerful thing. For the rest of his life, Peter had a story. Yeah, there it was. Step right out of that boat. Place it right on Galilee. And I did something I'd never done before. I walked on the water. Can you believe that? Yeah, I did. I was walking. I took one step, then two, then three, and there it was, white right toward Jesus. Now, he wouldn't probably want to include the next verse, verse 30, but Matthew went ahead and did because, well, he got to put Peter in his place. But, when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. We were reading this story as a family, and I I read it, and then the, the question was, what is God trying to teach us here? All kind of shared a little bit. And Grace said this, maybe fear sinks us, and in that moment, where only a child could say something so simple and yet so profound, maybe fear sinks us. It was fear that caused Peter to take his focus off of Christ. He was afraid to begin to focus on the storm instead of the Savior. instead On the wind and the waves instead of the creator of heaven and earth. He took his focus off of Jesus. Oh, yeah, fear will sink you. Fear will sink you. But here's the good news, lest we dwell too much on sinking Peter. Let us remember that Jesus, he didn't sink. He didn't sink at all, no. And look what his reaction is, verse 31. Jesus immediately reached out his hand, took hold of him, saying to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. and Those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. In that moment, when Jesus pulled Peter out of the water, in that moment, it was still storming. Jesus did not calm the storm for Peter. Now, it would eventually cease as they got back into the boat. But, but in that moment, Jesus could, think about this, Jesus could have called Peter, out come. Peter steps out. He's walking. All of a sudden, he's getting very frightened because he sees the wind and the waves. Now, as we studied last week, Jesus had the ability to calm the wind and the waves, didn't he? He could have. He could have said, peace, be still. He could have made things completely calm so that Peter would have kept walking. But no, he didn't do that. He didn't calm the storm. He called three Peter through the storm. This is a very important point because when you are trusting Jesus, this does not mean that Thanksgiving is going to be perfect. This does not mean that your boss is going to give you a raise. This does not mean that life circumstances will immediately get better. No, sometimes Jesus calls you in spite of the wind and the waves. Well, may we, may we still, even in the storm, may we still focus on the Savior and not the storm. If you're anxious, I would ask you, are you focused on the Savior? Or are you focused on the storm? Remember, fear will sink you if you're not careful. And Jesus, as gracious as he is, stands above the water ready to pull you, but you've got to let go of fear. You've got you to gotta lay down your anxiety. You've got to give up what you're holding on to so that he can pull you out of the depths. How do we make this practical? Well, good. I'm glad you asked. Next verse, Philippians chapter 4, going back to verse chapter 4. He says, In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The second is very simple. You've got to pray over everything. Be, Be anxious for nothing, but pray over everything. And I don't want to beat this too hard, so let me just keep it simple. God cares deeply for you. If you believe that, you will pray. And if you don't believe that, you're not going to pray. You hear me? God cares deeply for you. And if you believe that, you'll pray to him about everything in prayer and supplication. But if you don't believe that, you won't pray. You think God doesn't care, you think God's too big, you think your problem's too small, you got control issues, you want to hold on to things God's asking you to let go of. There are lots of reasons that you may have for not praying. Let me ask you, when was the last time you talked to the Father? And I mean substantively so. I'm not just talking about gathering around the dinner table. I'm not, not against that, but when's the time you actually poured out your heart and your burden and your anxiety and your fear to the Lord? When's the last time? When did you do that? If it's been a while, it's because at some level you don't fundamentally believe that one, he cares, or two, that he'll do anything about it. And, and those are the issues we gotta, we got to work on. P- Peter gets more direct. Turn to First uh, Peter Chapter 5, 1 Peter chapter 5, page 1298 in the Pew Bible, First Peter chapter 5. Peter says it very bluntly, and that was what we would expect from Peter, right? First Peter chapter 5, 6 and 7. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. You see, anxiety is not just a control issue. Let me step on your toes a little bit harder. Anxiety is not just a control issue. Can I be direct? Anxiety is a pride issue. Because at some fundamental, you not only believe that God doesn't care and that he can't do anything, you foolishly believe you can handle it better than he can. Peter says, humble yourself like I had to do on the water. Humble yourself. Under the mighty hand of God. So that at the proper time he may exalt you. Think about it. Take for just a second. Take your hand. Go ahead, left hand, right hand, I don't care. Take your hand. Go ahead, raise it up. If you're not doing it, I'm going to call your name out. Take your hand. Imagine God's hand and you're right here. Scripture says he's got you in his hand. Peter says, humble yourself. Take your other hand. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And here you are, humbling yourself, laying down your burden, letting go of every anxiety. And Peter says, God's got you. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may lift you up, that he may exalt you in due time. I know, it's hard, isn't it? No, Nobody knows, no one knows what you're, what you're going through. But God's got you if, if you'll do as Peter says and humble yourselves under his hand. Stop being so prideful. I'm anxious, I'm anxious, I've got anxiety. It's a pride issue. Humble yourself in the mighty hand of God that he may lift you up in due time. God's got you because, what does Peter say? Casting all your anxieties on him because, read the last line of the verse, he cares for you. Try it again. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God because he cares for you. I need you to believe that. That's the key. To, that's the answer to anxiety. Be able to trust him to the level that you'll humble yourself under his mighty hand. That he may lift you in due time. Casting all your anxieties onto him because he cares for you. Because he cares for you more than anyone else in this world. He's known you longer than anyone else in this world. And he desires to lift you in due time. You have to believe that he cares for you. Okay, I hope, hope that visual stays with you. Now, may you not just pray, as we're reminded in Philippians 4, but pray with thanksgiving. I know you've all given me a hard enough time about it. I know some of you have already decorated for Christmas. I know some of you already have your stockings up. I know that the retail world just doesn't care a hoot about Thanksgiving. And I, 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 it's kind of all, it's just a fun thing, okay? But I need you to understand that there is something spiritual about Thanksgiving. It's not just about turkey and rolls and mashed potatoes and cranberry sauce and all. As good as that stuff, not just about family and football. And that, all that stuff is good. But there is something spiritual when you pray to being thankful to God In in our world, they're ignoring the religious aspect of it, in our world, Christmas is all about what you get. I, it's the hardest thing. People already ask me, "What, Dad? What do you want? What's on your list? Can you give me some things you'd like?" I have nothing. I really don't need anything. Christmas in this this that season is focused on all about what you get. Thanksgiving is focusing on what you already have. Being grateful for what you already have. And if you're in Christ, you have every spiritual blessing in Christ. I don't want any hate mail or hate texts. Some of you are good at those. Uh, (laughs) You you, you celebrate Christmas early, that's fine. I I put my lights up uh, on July 4th, so I beat y'all. The the, the point is that the, the world moves right past Thanksgiving. We don't even give it a thought and Christians should just slow down and say, wait a second in Christ. I have every spiritual blessing and I am so grateful for that. And if someone asks me how I am and I say better than I deserve and I mean that if I had nothing but Christ, I'd have everything and, and, we, and our hearts should be filled with gratitude regardless of how you celebrate this Thursday. May thankfulness be a part of your DNA. Several weeks ago, Laura Atwater organized the loft group and did a fun activity. And one of the neat things she did was called the thankful pumpkins. I understand she got these from Don and Archie Mock. She had a whole carload of them, brought them all out, and the kids decorated them. And they were to make a list and take five minutes and write all the things you're thankful for. And so I took a picture of Grace's pumpkin. And then she did something kind of cool. She said, and this is several weeks ago, she said, "I I want you to take some time each day and write some more blessings that you're thankful for. And so we have. We've done that. And I appreciate Laura for the challenge to take just a few minutes to count your blessings, to name them one by one, to count your blessings, and to remember what God has done. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your many blessings and see what God has done. You see, if you spend five minutes counting your blessings, you will never complain again. I'm convinced of that. If you truly take the time to count your blessings, you'll never complain again. So we got to trust him. we got to cast our anxieties to him. And then we have to have great... Ver- uh, gratitude, and then as we finish out, when you do those things, verse seven says, "And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus." You see, we want to jump right to having peace over anxiety, but Paul writes, "You got to have some things first. You got to be anxious for nothing. You you got to be prayerful, and you got to be thankful." When you do those things, then, verse 7, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. John chapter 14, Jesus, as he's preparing to leave his disciples who were so fearful, so worried, so anxious, he wrote this in chapter 14, verse 1. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. Skipping down to verse 27, he says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Jesus came to give us peace, the perfect peace that Isaiah talked about. He he came to give us an even deeper peace, but it only happens when we trust him, when we truly, truly trust him. You see, When a man has the peace of God, well, very little in this world can truly rattle him. A couple weeks ago, a man by the name of Sammy Smith, real name, (laughs) he had sort of a rough Sunday. Uh, Let me share it with you. Bring down the lights if you would, guys. This is kind of a dark video.
1: After a pastor's home burst into flames, he live-streamed the fire as it happened. 7 News reporter Kristen Cheatham talked with a pastor who says he believes his faith kept his family safe. My house is burning down. I've never seen nothing like this before. This was the site Pastor Sammy Smith captured on camera, the second story of his home on fire. Neighbors rushed to help and stood outside with water hoses to help put out the blaze. That's when... I start going live. I just went live with it. And people would say, well, why would you go live with that? Here comes the fire department. Mid said it all started when an electronic device was placed too close to a curtain in his daughter's room. She fell asleep, and that's when the fire started. The pastor says there were other family members in the home, but everyone was able to get out safe, including his daughter. Had she not woke up, had the fire not woke her up then she would have been she would have died in the fire pastor smith told us he thinks god wanted to send a message through him so he immediately went live on facebook uh, maybe god wanted people to understand that in the midst of chaos in the midst of adversity uh, that's his advertisement. message for me, that's the, after uh, almost a week, almost a full week, that's the understanding I'm getting out of it now. Now crews from the Simpsonville Fire Department were able to quickly put out the blaze. The family said they're just thankful everyone was able to get out safe. I just want everybody to know that God is good and that he's blessing us and it's going to be all right.
0: Did you hear that last part? God is good. He's blessing us. It's going to be all right. Do you hear any fear in this man? Do you hear any anxiety in his heart? Do he- you hear any worry in his words? No, you didn't. No, that's, that's what we're talking about. You see, Christ Jesus alone is the key to our anxiety. So let me give you three simple things. Number one, you got to trust Christ. And I mean by that, you got to take Whatever you're carrying, whether it's 5 pounds or 25 pounds or 125 pounds of spiritual anxiety and fear and worry. And you have to let it go. I hope the bag stayed together. Thank you. You have to trust Christ. But to trust Christ means you have to let go. Number two. You have to be able to pray over everything. That's that's letting it go. When you're praying, you're 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 laying it down, as the song says. And number three, you've got to be grateful. Let your lives be both full of thanks and giving. May your hearts and your lives be full of not just thanks, but giving as well. So let me ask you, how heavy is it? How heavy is the burden you're carrying? Well... The answer the answer is, it depends on how long you've been holding it. And if you've been holding on to some stuff for a long time, this morning I want to give you an opportunity to truly be anxious for nothing. Uh, we're going to have a song and we're going to ask our shepherds to be at the back. And if you've got something you've been holding on to for far too long and you want someone to, to pray with you and for you and ask you to help you release that, go to the back during that song, find one of our shepherds and they will help you and pray to God. And they'll pray for you and with you. And if you have the spiritual burden of sin, you'd certainly need to let that go. And, and the only way to let that go is at the cross. And you've got to trust Christ, not just to say, yes, I trust Christ, but you have to do what he says to believe and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins and to be washed clean in the blood of the lamb. And finally, may you, May you you let his peace guard you through any and every situation. Whatever your burden is, however heavy it is, however long you've been holding on to it, I want to invite you now to let it go and lay it down. As we sing this next song, we will go ahead and uh, ask you, if you need to lay something down, head to the back. Let's rise and sing this final song.